0: Hey, I am Jess and I'm obsessed with all things nutrition, science, and helping you navigate this information while maintaining a deep sense of peace and empowerment in your body. I'm a registered dietitian who started out with an eating disorder and then fell in love with learning about how God intricately designed our bodies to be resilient and so much more than superficially beautiful. I am now a mama who loves to be healthy, not because of how it makes me look, but because of how it has transformed the energy I can give to my family, my friends, and you. On this show, we hit on real talk around the latest nutrition science and body image resiliency, all while balancing it between grit and grace. Think of this as your weekly audio copy to encourage your empowered eating journey. This is the Fuel Her Awesome Podcast. Hey friend, I am so happy you're here today. We have a special guest on the show. So this is a guy, I was actually on his show a few weeks ago. And when I had a conversation with him, he's just got that good human vibe, you know? So I thought, I'm going to bring him on the show. One of the things that I found particularly interesting about him is that he really comes at goal setting more well-rounded because he includes emotion, which is something is that I think is unique to the Mel fitness industry. So I knew I had to bring him on the show and pick his brain. His name is Nick Carrier. He's a master fitness expert where he has coached over 5,000 plus fitness classes, hosted big, large fitness events, and he really finds joy in helping people set goals and not just set appropriate goals, but accomplish them and see their life change before their eyes. So I'm really excited for you guys to sit in on this conversation today. Hey, before we dive in, I've had many of you messaging me about my favorite protein, and I just got to say it here so we all get on the same page. You all know I love me some polar joe. Polar Joe is the first company I have found that combines my two absolute favorite things. And that is coffee and protein. And every time somebody orders this and gets it, they tell me the same thing. And I can't wait for you to experience this joy as well. It does not taste like a protein shake. It does not have that chalky kind of like film flavor it is truly like you're drinking an iced coffee. And so if you're like me, you love you some extra caffeine, and you're trying to hit your protein, this is a great option for you. You guys can find the link in the show notes. You can also find the link on my website, jessbrownrd.com. And I have a discount code. If you enter Fuel Her Awesome, they'll give you 10% off. Thank you so much, Polar Joe, for hooking all the Fuel Her Awesome listeners up. And and if you're not a coffee drinker, they have a matcha green tea, which is actually what I've been drinking more of these days don't tell anyone. I mean, I would hate to compromise my my coffee vibe. <laughs> All right, friend, I'm so glad you're here today. Let's dive into this interview. Well, hey, Nick, I am so excited to talk to you today. Um, yeah, thanks for being here.
1: Of course, I'm pumped to have you on. Thanks for coming on my show before, and uh, I'm stoked to be with you on yours now.
0: Yeah, I, we had such a great conversation. And afterwards, I was like, oh, I want to talk to him on my show, too. So I'm grateful that we can connect again. But so I know about you, but those who are listening don't. So can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you're doing?
1: Yeah, so I'm a fitness trainer and I have my own company called Best You, where we really primarily help former athletes to who struggle to currently prioritize their health and fitness to regain the confidence that they once had in their health and so we primarily do that through our 10-week transformation program and I have a best you podcast as well and so I'm just kind of personally obsessed with getting closer to the best version of myself in all areas of life and so I am always on that journey and I try to help people do that primarily in the health area of their life and then down the road would love to do that in other areas of life as well but that's kind of me and what I do in a quick nutshell.
0: That's awesome. So I love you said you're helping former athletes. Tell me a little bit more about like what that means. Like you're talking former college athletes. What do you
1: mean? Yeah. Former high school and college athletes. You know, I was a high school athlete, a pretty good high school athlete, never ended up playing in college. If I would have played football or baseball in college, the two sports that I played, I would have had to play at a smaller school. Uh, And uh, so anyways, I played, I played high school and it was always like a part of my life. And then once I get into college and then out of college, when you're not naturally working out for your sport or playing your sport or necessarily super concerned about what you're putting in your mouth for your sports and for your performance, then sometimes it's less naturally embedded into your everyday routine. And so you Mm -hmm. can fall out of those things. And so, so many of the people that I work with have those same kind of issues, right? Like it used to be their part of their everyday life, but then they got caught up in their kids, got caught up in having a career. And so it's like health is not necessarily at the forefront of their routine anymore. And so they have not been prioritizing it. And so we try to make it as simple as possible for it to become just part of who they are. Like, that's what I love Mm -hmm. to help people do to reframe it. Like eating healthy and exercising, isn't what you're trying to do. It just becomes a part of who you are and becomes part of your identity. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of the approach that I like to take.
0: I love it. Yeah. Cause so many of us were athletes, I mean, I think we're all athletes. I always say like, if you work out on purpose, you're an athlete. I like to give people that credit, but so many of us come from that like more intensive athletic background where we really enjoy being a part of a team. And I think you're right. There is that transition where you're like, wait, I don't have a team that relies on me anymore. So so now what? And it sounds like you really like to almost like extract that from their childhood and like bring it back to their present day, but making it something that's really easy to access.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think so many people... Say I used to be an athlete or man, I can't do the things like I used to be able to do. And obviously, generally speaking, when we age, our certain abilities are just not what they used to be. Right. But I love to have people realize like, no, you can still access a lot of that potential, a lot of that performing ability and the look that you want and the feel that you want, even though you're not playing a sport at this moment in time.
0: Totally. I think that's why I got into CrossFit after my um, first kid was born and I loved it so much because it was, it tapped back into that almost like competitive edge, right? Where I had like this target and I had a workout and there was no competition. There was no, you know, there was nothing like putting the pressure on me, but it allowed me to like have some of that old sense of play around exercise instead of just going to get on a treadmill and running X amount of miles, which was just like, I mean, I know some people love that, but for me, that was just not my thing.
1: Yeah. Like you said, every, every single one of us have a different thing that kind of gets us going and gives, gives us that fire that we used to have. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's so cool. So speaking of this fire that we used to have a lot of, I know what you like to do is help people set goals and actually carry them out. So talk to me a little bit about your goal setting process and how you like to work with people in that sense.
1: Yeah, I think goal setting is super important. I think a lot of different people have different relationship with the word goal setting or their experience with setting goals in the past. But I think that what everybody needs to realize is that we as humans are always goal setting, whether we know it or not. Like we are goal setting creatures because all of us, no matter what it is that we're doing on a daily basis, we're literally either seeking a goal or looking to avoid something. We're either working towards something or working away from something. We are trying to make something happen or we're trying to not make something happen. We're trying to become a type of person or we're trying to not become a type of person. And we're all doing that on a regular basis, whether or not we realize it or conceptualize it like that. So people need to realize that goal setting is part of the human nature. And so how do we go about it appropriately? So many people make there's a lot of big mistakes when it comes to setting goals. A lot of people, number one is set other people's goals. Mm -hmm. So they see somebody else has achieved a goal and they're like, oh, that's kind of cool. I'm going to go after that too. But that person who did it probably had a deep seated motivation as to why they were going to do that. And you don't have that same level of deep seated motivation, or you didn't take the time to figure out why you wanted to do that goal in the first place. And if you don't right. have that deep seat of motivation, it's not going to provide you with long lasting perseverance. So number one, you got to make sure you're setting a goal that actually motivates you and fires you up. Mm-hmm. The second one is everybody talks about like how big your goals should be. Some people say you should set re- really lofty goals. Some people should say you should set small realistic goals, but neither of those is necessarily right. It's like you should set the appropriate sized goal based on the circumstance and the situation. And so I think that a lot the purpose behind your goal setting should be to change your identity. And sometimes you should set really large goals that require you to start making big changes now,
0: that mm-hmm. require
1: you kind of to like change your identity overnight. Mm-hmm. But then there are some goals that require an identity change that's gradual and it takes time. And so, mm-hmm. you know, for example, just to Take some extremes like somebody who is an alcoholic or smokes cigarettes, like they need to change their identity overnight if they're going to quit. They don't taper off their alcohol consumption. They don't taper off most people, at least, like uh, mm-hmm. smoking cigarette consumption. It's like overnight they are changing their identity of someone who does not do that type of thing. So that is kind of like a huge goal. But then when it comes to exercise or something like that, you can't do the same. Zero to 100 type approach. Because if you don't work out and then you try Mm -hmm. to work out six times a week, not only are you (laughs) not going to be consistent with that, but you're probably going to be injured, right? So those are just a couple quick examples of when you're setting goals. It's not set huge goals, it's not set small goals, it's set the right sized goal based Mm on circumstances that are presenting itself. And then what we've already kind of discussed is the identity focused approach and the process to focus approach is what's critical. Most people focus on what they're achieving and the results, but Mm -hmm. setting a goal is like, yes, we want to achieve something. Yes. We want to get a certain result, but we can't have that be the sole reason. We need to focus more on who we're becoming in the process because that provides us with patience. I mean, both Mm -hmm. of us know that when it comes to weight loss, actions and results are not always closely related in time and space. And so we have to have patience, right? But if we're just only focused on the achievement of weight loss, or if we're just only focused on the result, then two, three, four weeks in, when we're not seeing the needle move, then we're going to be frustrated and we're going to potentially slow down our good habits. But if we're focused on like, I am doing the good habits, I'm focused on what I'm eating. I'm showing up for my workouts then. And I'm focused on like, Hey, I'm actually changing as a person. I'm becoming somebody who does healthy habits, Mm -hmm. then I'm more likely to stay consistent on my journey. So, having an identity focused approach and a process focused approach is absolutely critical. Another key thing is so many folk, so many people just focus on what they're going to do and they don't focus on how they're actually going to get it done. Mm -hmm. Because, with a health and fitness goal, for example, a lot of people know they need to eat healthier, a lot of people know they need to maybe exercise more, but how are you going to actually get those things done practically on a regular basis? Are you going to go to the grocery store and then are you going to meal prep? And then if meal prepping, are you going to do that on Sunday afternoon or are you going to do that just every single night? Um, are you going to order meal delivery service? Uh, what are you going to do workout wise? Are you going to schedule your workouts in on Sunday throughout the rest of the week for your calendar? Like the practical side of it is what so many people forget because mm-hmm. changing your routine and changing your habits and and changing how you're spending your time, your energy and your attention are super difficult to change. And so you have to get strategic with the practical side of it. And right. the last thing that a lot of people don't do is they just don't have a scoreboard or they don't have a means through which to track progress on their goals. And so, or the,
0: or the only scoreboard is weight loss, like what the right, scale exactly. is doing.
1: Exactly. And Oftentimes, having a scoreboard can be daunting and can be scary because it reveals to you, yes, if you're being successful, but it also reveals to you if you're failing or if you're falling behind. And so that's where it kind of goes back to having a scoreboard is important, but you can't have a results-focused approach. You need Mm -hmm. to have that process-focused approach. But having a scoreboard is so critical because I really believe that when a scoreboard is turned on, the stakes of the game are turned up. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh man, now Mm -hmm. I'm keeping score. Now I'm going to take this thing a whole lot more seriously than I would in the past. So those are kind of like different common mistakes that I see with goal setting and how we can combat those mistakes so that we can really use goal setting to our advantage.
0: Yeah, I like that. One of the things I really like that you said was you hit on like evaluating the goal based on your circumstance. And Mm -hmm. I think, I do think that's something a lot of health coaches miss is it's like, and I, I know I've been guilty of this in the past where I push like my agenda and what I think people should be without fully understanding their circumstance and their capacity. And what I like about what you're saying is like, you're inviting people to consider that. So for example, like, uh, let's take my example. Okay. So after baby number two, one, I'm like, I'm going to get back into working out. I'm going to go to CrossFit. So I kind of went in with that same athletic mentality, but my capacity as a, mid thirties, mom of kids, not sleeping well. My husband was on college. Like the, my capacity looks completely different than it did when I was in college and high school. And so having that mindset shift, and I will say like, as someone who has a background of struggling with food, I think it's so important that we have someone in our corner letting us know what our capacity is and making sure we're giving ourselves credit along the way, like on your scoreboard, right? Like saying, this is where you are showing up for yourself within your capacity, right? And making sure we're not getting too critical of ourselves.
1: Yeah. Just to touch on your previous example of the amount of time that you have available, right? Like you said, your schedule was such that you only had so much time to be able to exercise and that was not maybe the same in in the past. And so you want to make sure that your goal is related to how much time that you have available and the season of life that you're in, right? Like I work with so many people who are parents of young kids, and maybe they're struggling with sleep. Maybe they're just chauffeuring their kids all around town because of their sports and school and all the activities that they have going on. So before setting any kind of goal, we just want to assess, okay, how much time, energy, and attention do we really have available at our disposal to apply to this goal? Therefore, the size of my goal should vary based off of that
0: absolutely absolutely because i think a lot of people sign themselves up for goals that they don't have the capacity and then they feel like a failure <laughs> when wow. and i think it goes back to the very first point you had which is they're setting other people's goals like they see somebody else who does that and is like oh that looks cool i want to try that but it doesn't really fit into like what they actually want to commit to doing and the other thing i love that you said is you've got to do that work first, before you set your goals, like you've got to figure out why this is important to you, make sure it's your goal, because that's going to give you the lasting energy to show up for it and through mm. it. Cause it does take time. You're so right. Like it takes time. And that's where I see people get so hung up is they set the goal and then, you know, it doesn't come within two weeks and then they feel like they failed. And so now they're just coming from a, a place of like failure. Instead of with this like energy to keep going, because if you keep going, you will hit the goal. It's inevitable. It is absolutely inevitable, but you have to have stamina.
1: Yeah. and And I'm glad that you brought that up as well, because with goal setting, a goal really becomes a goal when there's a deadline for it, when you set a specific date. But one of the things that I always communicate to people who I coach is like, yes, we're setting this deadline. But remember that this deadline is very artificial. Like just because you haven't or have achieved your goal by that deadline doesn't really mean anything because your health and fitness journey is ongoing forever. Like your health and fitness journey doesn't have a deadline. We're just creating an artificial deadline just to provide you with a little bit more urgency and maybe adjust your strategy a little bit and provide you with some feedback. But there is no deadline on this thing. And so especially with health and fitness goals, we need to make sure that we don't get too hung up on that deadline.
0: So how do you talk people through that point? Like when the date comes and they didn't hit their goal, like what do you say to someone who feels like a failure and yet they still want to attain that goal they set?
1: Yeah, I think I usually break it up into two different types of goals. Like there's an accomplishment-based goal mm-hmm. and there's also a lifestyle-based goal. An accomplishment-based based goal is something where you are following a strategy that up to the deadline you're going to do, But then after the deadline, you don't intend to maintain that same strategy. Mm -hmm.
0: So, for example,
1: if I want to run a half marathon in a particular amount of time, then my strategy is going to be such that I'm running a certain number of miles every single week. But maybe I'm not going to continue that same level of running after my my accomplishment.
0: Totally. Yeah.
1: So if If I fall short of my goal time for my half marathon but I'm not going to necessarily do another one or continue those same habits. That's where it's like, okay, I didn't achieve my goal, but think of all the other positive benefits that I had because of doing that. Maybe like I really built discipline and really showed myself that I'm somebody who's willing to stick to a plan for an extended period of time. Maybe I met some other people and went on some runs with other people that I enjoyed. Maybe I just like actually started to, enjoy running a little bit more. There's so many different positive benefits that can come from the process rather than just the achievement of the goal itself. So for an accomplishment-based goal, it's like acknowledging all of those other positive things that came up. But then from a lifestyle-based goal, so I consider a lifestyle-based goal where you set a deadline, you're forming habits that you're doing up to that deadline, but then you intend to maintain those same habits Moving forward. And that's where it's just kind of what we just said. It's, hey, I know we didn't get there, but just because we didn't get there doesn't mean we can't get there at some point in the future. So realize that you've made a lot of great progress and realize that we continue to have time to make more progress. And so I try to get get people to realize that. Deadlines are not a finishing point, but they're a stepping stone, and so it's
0: so a finish
1: line to create a new starting line, if you will.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. I love that. I love the two categories, like lifestyle and accomplishment goal, and I love how the accomplishment goal changes, and that makes me think. Like uh, one of the things that was really helpful to me, like in my training, because I mean, you know my background, I have like eating disorder background and sports nutrition background, and they're kind of like two different worlds of training, and yet they overlap all the time, but one Mm -hmm. of the things I struggled with early on in my career was like, how do I make these sports specific recommendations for people without them becoming obsessive? Right. And getting into like, this is something they have to live by. And one of the most like relieving things to learn was this idea of like, athletic eating versus lifestyle eating. And it's kind of like what you're talking about there is where like athletic eating is, has maybe some targeted intentions where we have an outcome or an event or something that we're chasing after, but it doesn't last forever yet. It also builds the habits for the long term. So like, I love your running example. Cause it's like, yeah, if you run a marathon, you don't keep training for the marathon when you're done, but you might still be a runner, right? Like you might yep. still keep going. I love that. What do you do when people, (laughs) so a lot of times I'll set these like nutrition goals with folks and they just don't like it. Like the big one's protein. I'm a big protein person. I, especially as a female, like we just need a ton of protein. And one of my clients messaged me the other day and was like, when does this stop feeling like a full-time job? (laughs) And I was like, well, this is your full-time job, right? Like this is based on the kind of lifestyle you want to create for yourself Hitting these protein goals is a part of that process. And at the same time, if you don't want that, like we can go back to not doing it. So how do you talk people through when they are doing it and yet now they don't like it, but they still want the goal?
1: Yeah, that's that's a tricky one, because I am big on when it comes to goals and strategies for those goals there's always kind of three sides of things. There's kind of like the physiological side of things. Mm -hmm. There's the practical side of things and the personal side of things, right? Like Mm -hmm. the physiological side of things is kind of like what the science says works best for most people. The practical side of things is kind of what you're able to make work with your schedule. And the personal side of things is what you just kind of mentioned is like, what do you actually enjoy? And generally speaking, it's what do you enjoy that's going to determine how, consistent or not consistent you are with it and so if it like to try to kind of navigate this through your specific this specific example it'd be like okay protein is there a particular type of protein you like most i would like you know i would try to tweak it that way and then be like okay well i'm okay if you're not gonna if you're not able to get to the certain protein mark but just kind of know that maybe the goals that you're looking to achieve are going to be somewhat limited based off of your willingness to apply this into your routine. And so I think that it's kind of having that communication. It's like, okay, if you don't like this aspect of the goal, is there a way to do something similar, but but change how it looks? Mm-hmm. And then just have that expectation setting conversation with them, which is a huge conversation and goal yeah. setting and being able to set the right expectations. And so You just can allow them to more realistically navigate what they can expect from whatever their goal is.
0: I love that. Well, it's letting them make the decision, right? It's kind of going, and I think that's our job in this realm is to say, here's what your goal is. Here, here are the health and fitness steps you would need to take to acquire that goal. Now, where does that fit into your life? And like, let them make that decision.
1: Yeah. And I think one of the things that, you know, when it comes to recommendations, of something like protein or any kind of recommendation or protocol or kind of like number that a lot of us health, fitness, nutrition, people recommend to people is most of the time we're recommending from an optimal standpoint. Yeah. Most of the time we're recommending, like this will allow you to optimally perform. This will allow your biology to be optimized, mm-hmm. but are you going to die tomorrow if you don't get enough protein in? Right. No. Like, that's what <laughs> you I, will be I
0: okay.
1: Remind my people of is mm-hmm. what I'm, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm trying to work so you can be an, an optimal human being, the best version of yourself. And if you're not able to get there, I re- set that realistic expectation. So it's kind of like gaining perspective on the situation.
0: Absolutely. Oh, I love that. Well, and I, this goes in that, you know, my kind of soapbox that I get on, but it's like, there's so much pressure for us to be in a certain kind of shape. And when we come at that, when we come at those goals from the pressure of like, we're supposed to be this way, I'm supposed to be a mom that's in gnarly shape. Like Mm -hmm. that's not, I don't think that's a positive pressure and it's not one that will, allow me to show up as the best version of myself. And therefore like, that's when grace is needed. That's when I need to be told like, Hey, I'm doing the best I can do. And on the flip side, like also be invited to push yourself so that you, you can grow. Oh, I love this. I love how you dive in deeper from the goal setting aspect. I think it's so, it's so missed in this realm in the health industry. And like you said, the optimal targets are out there and yet these are still humans that we're working with that have a whole bunch of other things on their plate.
1: Right. And then, and then to one more thing, just because I heard you say it, a lot of people should on themselves all the time. Oh, people, think, the time. I should do this. I should look a certain way. I should be a certain way. It's like, again, you're now you're not putting expectations on results, you're putting expectations on yourself from where, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, people get put expectations on themselves from something that they read, something that they heard, what some what someone else said and so we got to make sure we don't put shoulds on ourselves that really have no reason being there.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And that goes back to the original step which is making sure this is your goal that you set not one someone else set for you. So when you're working with people on goal setting, where is the first place you start with them?
1: Yeah, I always start with the with the why, with mm-hmm. What is your motivation? Because as I kind of mentioned before, we are always motivated to avoid something or motivated to get something, motivated to make something happen or motivated to not let something happen. And so when I help people develop a strong why, Mm -hmm. develop a why that will actually lead them to long lasting perseverance. Like I always say your why is what gets you started. It's not just what gets you started, but it's what keeps you going when what you started gets tough. And so Mm -hmm. there's three different directions where I have people develop their why. Like I said, it's like, what are you trying to avoid? What is something that you don't want to have happen? Number two is what do you want to have happen? Who do you want to, who do you want to become? And and, uh, partly what do you want to achieve? And then thirdly is who are you doing this for? Because Mm -hmm. Obviously, in your health and fitness journey, when you're looking to improve your own health and fitness, you are doing it for yourself. Like, no doubt about it, you are the most important person that you have to help in your life. Mm -hmm. However, that oftentimes doesn't go a long enough way for people to get through the tough days. It's like, I'm doing this for myself. If they're not motivated and they don't like themselves all that much in that moment, which happens to all of us, then doing it for myself is not going to be enough. And so if you can remember that you're doing this because you're going to positively impact your parents, your kids, your aunt, your uncle, your any loved one in your life, if you can like really think about how it's going to positively impact their life by you making these changes, then that person is someone like, okay, I'm tired, but I'm still going to go work out. Okay. Right, right. I don't want to cook, but I'll cook. You know, it's like, if you can, we're less likely to let somebody else down compared to letting ourselves down. And so mm-hmm. if we can identify what we're trying to avoid, what we're working towards and who we're doing it for, then those three things can really allow you to have a powerful why that keeps you going.
0: Oh, that's so good. I love that. Do you find that a lot of people want to skip that step?
1: It's, it's kind of like the soft, mushy step, you yeah. know, it's <laughs> yeah. like, especially when people get started because mm-hmm. People are usually motivated in the beginning and they don't think that I need to identify these things because I'm motivated. But then when it gets to, in in my example of a 10-week transformation, when it gets into week five, six, and seven, then people forget why they started. People don't Mm -hmm. have that top of mind. And so if you can have two, three, or four emotionally packed sentences that you can go back to amidst this process, it can be really helpful. It's not going to be one of those things where you're tired and you go read this sentence and all of a sudden you're going to be jumping around with joy, but mm-hmm. it can be that little thing that gets you over the hump.
0: I love that. It's it's so interesting to hear you say that. So in my empowered eating program, when I originally created it, the first step was identifying your values. So, you know, I'm a huge like values led person. Like we got to figure out what is most important to us and define health based on our values, not based on BMI or whatever, you know, whatever anybody else said we should be. But as I worked through that and I reworked the program a couple of years ago, I actually, I split it up because I found exactly what you're saying. It's like, yeah, people start really motivated and they don't want to dive into the real mushy side. It's what it is, right? It's like the touchy feely side of it. And yet it's so important. So we have it at the very beginning, but then we dip our toe back into it at week four, because Mm -hmm. it's like, we got to give them something to work towards and then revisit it. And you're right. It's not like a, Oh, I'm so motivated again. It's more of a connection as to like, yes, this is why I'm here and why I'm choosing this hard as opposed to the path of least resistance right now.
1: Yeah. No, I love it. I love mm, it. So
0: good. I love your approach. And I, what I really love is you're inviting people to use health to be the best version. I mean, that's your podcasting best you. Right. And I love that. It's something that I think is, not always around in the health industry. It's more of the optimal recommendations like you were talking about. So I think the work you're doing is incredible. We'll tell listeners where they can get um, connected with you and some of the services you offer.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, like we've mentioned, I have the best you podcast that I had you on. So you guys can check out the best you podcast. I'm on on Instagram at carrier underscore best you and nickcarrier.com is my website. So I appreciate it.
0: Awesome. Well, it's been so great to have you here. Now, one more question before we wrap this up. Because this is the Fuel Her Awesome show. I would like to end with this. How do you like to best fuel your awesome? This can be metaphorical or literal.
1: Yeah, the way I think about that is what do I, what do I feel makes me come alive? I read a book. One of the I hated reading when I grew was growing up, like in high school and college, I hated reading. But ever since I graduated college and started reading books that I actually liked, I fell in love with reading and have done tons of reading ever since. And one of the quotes from like one of the first books ever that I actually kind of got into reading was like, don't do what the world says you should do, do what makes you come alive because the world needs more people who have come alive. And ever since I read that quote, I think about a lot of things through that lens. What makes me feel most alive? And the way to answer your question is like, I I try to do the things that make me feel most alive as frequently as possible. And for me, like coaching fitness classes makes me feel a lot, makes me feel alive. I love see, seeing people put in the effort. I love seeing people improve. I love seeing the camaraderie from other people in the room. I I mean, when I exercise, I feel like I'm alive sometimes more than others, uh, you know, spending time with friends and family. And so it's really knowing myself and and being in touch with what makes me feel most alive and trying to do those things as frequently as possible.
0: I love that. Well, you can definitely feel that energy in all of the work you're doing. And I think it's awesome. So keep up the incredible work. And thank you again for coming on today.
1: Thanks, Jess. I appreciate it.
0: Gosh, I'm so glad you joined me today. If today encouraged you, would you take a minute and encourage me by leaving a review for the show? I read every single one of these reviews, and your words, they mean so much to me. This podcast is here to support you weekly, but it only scratches the surface. To learn more on how you can become an empowered eater, snag my free workshop, how to eat intuitively and hit your goals without obsessing over food at JessBrownRD.com. Don't forget to join me right here next Monday where I cannot wait to fuel your awesome. Cheers, my sweet friend, and happy eating.